Sanctification. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom, our righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. The Life Side. The mystery of sanctification is that the perfections of Jesus Christ are imparted to me, not gradually, but instantly, when by faith I enter into the realization that Jesus Christ is made unto me sanctification. Sanctification does not mean anything less than the holiness of Jesus being made mine manifestly. The one marvelous secret of a holy life lies not in imitating Jesus, but in letting the perfections of Jesus manifest themselves in my mortal flesh. Sanctification is Christ in you. It is his wonderful life that is imparted to me in sanctification and imparted by faith as a sovereign gift of God's grace. Am I willing for God to make sanctification as real in me as it is in his word? Sanctification means the impartation of the holy qualities of Jesus Christ. It is his patience, his love, his holiness, his faith, his purity, his godliness that is manifested in and through every sanctified soul. Sanctification is not drawing from Jesus the power to be holy. It is drawing from Jesus the holiness that was manifested in him, and he manifests it in me. Sanctification is an impartation, not an imitation. Imitation is on a different line. In Jesus Christ is the perfection of everything, and the mystery of sanctification is that all the perfections of Jesus are at my disposal. And slowly and surely, I begin to live a life of ineffable order and sanity and holiness, kept by the power of God. As I was doing research for today's devotional, I came across a writing by David C. Grabby, or Grab, in his writing, The Problem with Leader Security. And in this excerpt of it, he, he begins by describing the, the problem with eternal security, or the once saved, always saved assumption, and how this is unbiblical for a lot of reasons. And uh, within the individual, the biggest problem is that it steals the sense of urgency and zeal to overcome ourselves and deny ourselves, and uh, and have that have any process of sanctification. It steals that ability or that desire to. But on the other end, he talks about 
something that can wreak a, a similar havoc. And it's the assertion that castings... I'll just go ahead and read it. So, the assertion that casting one's lot in the right man or being part of a certain group or church will instantly cause God to look more highly on a person. We may be sure, though, that God does not work through such a system of salvation by association, except in the sense of association with him. But the unstated doctrine of leader security, or church security, based on the premise that one standing with God is asserted once one accepts a human leader or organization, is as destructive as the doctrine of eternal security. And for the very same reasons, it instills false doctrines, steals the urgency of zeal to overcome and learn how to walk with God in ways that God can only teach us, not by following some model. He goes on to say, it tempts one to fall into a trap of thinking that can't happen to me. Because when we're a part of this church or with this leader, because we're doing what they're telling us to do, we're good. He goes on to say, it can seriously impede, if not outright end, the sanctification process of growing in holiness. This is not to suggest that church leadership is unimportant or that the doctrines of an organization should remain unproved by its members. On the contrary, our teachers and learning environment are both vital factors in our spiritual development. Nor are all churches the same in God's eyes. The letters in Revelation 2 and 3 are addressed to assemblies of varying degrees of faithfulness. But the danger lies in trusting a man any man or organization to see us across the finish line. Or worse yet, one can believe that we are essentially already there because of our affiliation with a certain man or church. The simple truth is that human leadership cannot take the place of God in the lives of the individual without devastating consequences, nor can it stand in the place of the individual in in the eyes of God. And the last part that I'm about to read is is what got me because I've been searching for the perfect church ran by the perfect leader. And this is an impossibility. But I've been looking basically for a church uh, that's ran by a guy who looks like Phil Heath or Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's as holy and as sound as Jesus. But that's not possible. And David goes on to say, let us suppose that we find a perfect human leader. And he says, note the contradiction, whose teaching does not have a trace of doctrinal impurity, and we pledge allegiance to him. How should we now spend our lives? Should we rest easy in the confidence that we will not go through any tribulation? Should we become a cheerleader for a servant of God? Should we spend our days trying to convince others to hop on the bandwagon on which we are currently riding? 
Should we pray for God's wrath to fall on all those who do not see things as we do? Clearly, such ideas are absurd. They would serve no purpose in developing our own relationship with God. They would add nothing to our walk with him. So that we, like Jesus Christ, can be a faithful witness of the Father. The development of character, putting on the new man, growing in holiness, working out of our own salvation with fear and trembling are all things that must take place as a result of a joint effort between God and the child of God. The Apostle Paul states the position of church leaders in 2 Corinthians 1, 24. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. Similarly, in Ephesians 4, 12-13, Paul states that the various types of servant leaders are given for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul tells us that God has provided the ministry for our instruction and edification, and as such, we are to respect them. But the responsibility falls on each one of us to make sure our relationship with God is spiritually sound and continually growing, for that is where our security lies. So today, I want to challenge you. Is your faith, your your relationship with God a, a stick and carrot relationship fully external or is it intrinsic is it something you are doing because you want to do you have to do because you absolutely fear God and is God the one who's leading you forward or is this external as well is it carrot and stick or is it wholly intrinsic Think on this. God bless you.